Welcome into Free Rambling Men, a country music podcast. And uh, up until now, I've been saying something in this space along the lines of us being middle of the road or balanced and yet fair and free and also how we commentate. But I'll not go into it any more than that because the episodes are seemingly coming that thick and fast now, aren't they, Stuart? Um, I say that because we're recording this fifth episode only three days after the last. And uh, why is that? Because I'm off to France tomorrow to uh, see the girlfriend who's been Irish dancing out there for about a month and a half now. So here we are, Wednesday evening, and recording. I'm John Kerr. Hello, Stuart Balford. Hello. Yes, you've caught me in a different sort of state of mind at the minute, and it's not alcohol-induced necessarily. It's just that, you know, for the first time in a long time, I've got a few days away from my normal day job, and I feel, whew, already very de-stressed. What are we going to talk about today, Stuart? How about the Grammy Award nominations? Apologies in advance, by the way, if you're sick of hearing about awards after our CMA's reaction and our CMA's sort of proposition even before that as to whether they were even relevant anymore or not um, but it is award season so um endear us or what's the word i'm looking for here <laughs> it's a completely different type of award show and the nominations have been <laughs> very reflective of that yeah they did come out yesterday right um remember today is wednesday with us so uh, on tuesday you know our phones were buzzed and our timelines were filled with news of who was recognized by the recording academy I suppose let's just get into it journey huh yeah, let's dive in. I mean, I don't really honestly know where to start. These have been the strangest bunch of nominations I've seen in a long time. I mean, we give our opinions and perspectives on the CMAs, um, but this is like, it's almost like a Spotify playlist. It makes absolutely no sense. It's like somebody's, it's like one person's personal favorites. I'll just begin with Brandy Carlisle because... Well, she earned seven nominations for her album in these silent days, uh, including Best Americana Album and Record of the Year for You and Me on the Rock featuring Lucius. Um, you and Me on the Rock also nominated for Best American Roots Song. That sort of award goes to the songwriters. And um, that album originally came out in October of last year before a deluxe edition in the Canyon Haze was released at the very end of September there. So I still haven't listened to that. And I actually do need to spend a bit more time with the album before kind of fairly commenting here. But... I did opt most recently, and I just wanted to mention Brandy in the context of presenting the Late Show and Radio Also over here, and uh, I played a couple of her songs from her 2018 album, By The Way I Forgive You. Uh, those were the mother and whatever you do, and just kind of endorse her and just kind of go, look guys, listen to her, because I remember just, granted it was a 2018 album, but I went back and listened to those couple of songs and played them, and she is just fabulous from her voice to obviously her songwriting. I just think she is the musical representation of political correctness. And <laughs> in 2022, I think this is where we've gotten to. I think if you were to just isolate her music and put it up against anybody else 10 years ago, nobody would care. I suppose maybe she's quite outspoken and unapologetic. Yeah, that's me being diplomatic, isn't it, Shirley? Uh, for who she is. And look, I suppose why should she be, of course, but I think maybe... She rubs maybe some of the traditional listeners of country up the wrong way, shall we say. Um, the way you put it is uh, <laughs> it's a lot more forthright. I actually am a big defender of her music. I think her music's class, but don't get me wrong. it's um, Sometimes that's all I wish I was taking in when I was listening to Brandy Carlisle. Do you think the, um, the personal life and her own views almost eclipse the sound? Uh, maybe not eclipse the sound, but maybe eclipse the persona. And then that's in the back of your head whenever you're listening. You can't almost separate the two sort of thing. Or not that it, you know, rubs you up the wrong way or anything necessarily. But like, you're just kind of going like, I'm just here to listen to music, you know. 
you know, this is my problem with this year's bunch of nominations. You've got some of the more fluff country pop disposable stuff like Kelsey Ballerini's Heart First. Kelsey, I love you if you're listening. But you've got that up against like album tracks from people like Miranda Lambert and, you know, Willie Nelson. And you're going, that makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, you're talking about it, the um, the best country solo performance category there, right? How about after the CMAs, you know, being an industry awards body, didn't honor Zach Bryan for his, you know, meteoric rise this past year. But here's the Recording Academy, who have, with the first ever Grammy nomination, heading Zach's way for, uh, for his breakout song of sorts, Something in the Orange. And as you sort of um, teased there, that was nominated uh, alongside Kelsey Ballerini's Heart First, Miranda Lambert's In His Arms, Myra Morris's Circles Around This Town, and Willie Nelson's Live Forever. Where is Morgan Wallen? Yeah, where is Morgan Wall? That's the question we all want to know. I actually, I'll tell you what, I listened or I watched a um, like a 45 minute reaction video from Grady Smith last night. It was for like his patron only subscribers. I think I sent you a couple of sort of clips from it. I was just because it was some of the stuff that he said sort of echoed what you said Um, because you guys watched the awards. I actually didn't watch the CMAs. Anyway, he came to the conclusion that and he had literally clipped various screenshots together one of them was of Morgan Wallen's face, almost a little bit, not puzzled, but rather he came to the conclusion that Morgan was almost glad that he didn't win and he wasn't recognized because he was thinking, how the hell am I going to spin this if uh, if I am, you know what I mean? Or I'm going to get a lot more heat here because things haven't settled down. Do you know what I mean? You know, we talked last week about like the significance of the likes of Laney Wilson cleaning up at the CMAs. And a win or two like that is going to have a significant knock-on effect in their career and their momentum. Whereas Morgan Wallen, he can just keep churning them out and we're all going to listen to it. It doesn't matter if he wins an award or not. But yeah, I do think Best Country Solo Performance at the Grammys, it's a bit of a weird selection of songs and artists, isn't it? I mean, why the hell is Cody Johnson nowhere to be seen here? Heart First as well from Kelsey Bellarini. Yeah, okay. Maybe not the best song in Kelsey's Subject to Change album. I appreciate it was a single. It was her first single from that album. Miranda's In His Arms. I actually did really like that song because I went back to listen to it there shortly after I found out that it was nominated. And um, I did really like In His Arms. But again, not even a single. And also, do you think that's got some extra love this time around? And dare I say, is it almost a bit of a lazy selection? Because last year, they already nominated Marfa Tapes alongside John Randall and Jack Ingram for Best Country Album, right? In His Arms was the first track on that. Before we pressed record today, I uh, watched a YouTube video essentially breaking down how people become nominated for Grammys, who selects them, who votes, how the winners are determined. It seems to be that ultimately it's either the artist or their record label that has to put a song forward in the first place. So... This is not an isolated one-off year of random nominations. This is the style of the Grammys. So either Miranda or probably more likely her record label have tapped into what the judges are reacting to. And uh, they deem that a song like In His Arms, even though, as you say, not a single, is something that's likely to get a bit of uh, recognition. There are five songs there. If I was to say to you, think of the best country solo performance in the last 12 months last 12 months going back from September, whenever this eligibility year was. If you take those five songs as a total package, are they representative of best country solo performance of the past 12 months? Not in the slightest. If you're going to throw a dart at the wall, the winner here is Miranda Lambert and his arms. Are we past the point of... Uh... Rescue? 
<laughs> Pass the point of rescue. <laughs> was I'll catch him. <laughs> yes. Where did that come from? Oh, I didn't know where. <laughs> Pass the point of rescue. I think that's the feel I get looking at the songs here that are being recognized. It's just like <laughs> I'm scratching my head going, Stephen Hawking couldn't make sense of this. I did think Kelsey's reaction video on her socials was pretty genuine, albeit it was recorded. There's always somebody sticking a camera somewhere. Listen, if I recorded hard first and got a Grammy nomination, I'd burst into tears. <laughs> Can I just add, though, was that nomination of Zach Bryan something in the orange? Do you think that was something to pacify him? Because he didn't even make the shortlist for Best New Artist, right? And I don't understand that, considering the 12 months that he's had. How can somebody like Zach Bryan not be nominated in Best New Artist category? I mean, I think he's won the lottery here by getting a Best Country Solo Performance nomination. I think, you know, I mean, I can't make out a word he says in that song. So, you know, each of their own. <laughs> I literally have to listen to his music and look at the lyrics. You know, oh. He may as well be speaking Spanish. Well, a good 50% of the time, whenever I listen to music, I literally read along with lyrics. Because, yeah, sometimes you don't understand it as well. It's not as clear. Same Southern accent. Anyway, what is it Zach Bryan said as well about the CMAs recently? Right? In fact, I've, I've got the tweet here. Um, guys, I don't and I will never want to be considered at the CMAs. My pride is fine and I appreciate all the love and support. And I say it with every ounce of respect to other country artists. Establishments will always be weird. And then I guess he had to clear some stuff up because he tweeted about half an hour later. To be clear, I'm not trying to insult the validity of a CMA. I respect any artist who receives one and the existence of them. I'm just saying on a personal level, it's not one of my priorities to have awards on a shelf in my home. There's room for more important things there. The Grammys are more likely to reward an artist like a Casey Musgraves, whereas the CMA will ignore her. Zach, I would take that as a compliment. Yeah, okay, that's fair enough. Moving on to best country duo or group performance. Can I just share my initial thought on this category? Uh-huh. This is how it should be in every country awards too. A communal award for Jews and groups. Because what <laughs> the hell's the difference? Do you know what I mean? If it's a Jew, you just have Maddie and Tay nominated every year and they're, no one they're never going to win. But then there's no groups being recognized. It's all just Jews. True, actually. Well spotted, yeah. Uh, Wish will drink in Ingrid Andrews and Sam Hunt. Midnight Riders Prayer, Brothers Osborne, Night Running Your Memory, Luke Combs, Miranda Lambert. Does He Love You? Revisited Reba McIntyre and Dolly Parton. There you go. Let's revisit some legends. Uh, never wanted to be that girl. Carly Pierce, nice and move bride. Overlap with the CMAs. And going where the lonely go, Robert Plant and Alison Krauss, who were also nominated in Best Americana Album. So Alison Krauss and Robert Plant recognized in Americana and country. What's the difference, you might ask? Country music these days is pop and Americana is country. <laughs> You're not telling me, though, that Zach Bryan... And Tyler Chandler's are considering themselves Americana. I would consider them Americana. I don't think they would consider themselves Americana. I have more respect for artists who don't give up the country tag. Whereas Isbell's like the king of Americana. Why are you giving up the country tag? Your country. But you'll probably find that he'll have more recognition and more success attaching himself to Americana. Americana is a more credible, trendy label. And also, if you listen to the likes of Zach Bryan, it's closer to a Jason Isbell sound. Yeah, it's more um, highbrow. So about that best country duo group performance then, you notice they're all duos, of course, then. Fair enough. I'm guessing that you're going to go there for Never Wanted to Be That Girl, Carly Pierce, Nashley McBride. I could see Robert Plant and Alison Krauss winning that, or certainly Reba and Dolly. Yeah, I'm going to go with Reba and Dolly, actually. And it makes no sense to me, but trying to tap into what I'm staring at here, I would go for that one. Well, at least they're doing something right, and they're not uh, 
honoring both Jews and groups separately. Although to be fair, they're just honoring Jews. So they're kind of saying screw the groups here, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Best country song awarded to songwriter circles around this town doing this. I bet you think about me, Taylor Swift, back in a country category. Um, if I was a cowboy, I love you till the day I die and until you can't, the Cody Johnson song. I just think a lot of these are weak categories. Although Luke Combs doing this is a strong, strong song. I did enjoy If I Was a Cowboy, uh, the Miranda Lambert song. I think it's got to be Cody Johnson till you can't. Or as I joke with my girlfriend and call him sometimes, Judy Conson. A guy who has wandered in the wilderness for many years and has now finally got an ache of recognition and you're saying his name back to front jody conson what a guy uh best country album growing uh, up luke combs palomino Miranda lambert humble quest maron morris those three all overlap with the cma albums uh that were nominated ashton mcbride presents lindaville and a beautiful time from willie nelson also recognized in that category those are the five there those two beat out then laney and old dominion that were recognized in the CMA category, the CMCMA category. If the CMAs are anything to go by, Luke will win again. But you obviously did prefer Palomino from Randall Lambert. Yes, but in this case, I'm going to go with Ashley McBride, Lindyville. I mentioned that uh, Gritty Smith CMA reaction video before. Did I hear him say something about that album being too kind of high concept? Some idea about you don't need to overthink a song. Just give us the song. Do you know that sort of thing? I know these days people just throw music out and there's there's so much out there that it kind of gets lost among everything else. But this album in particular, there was no run-up in making clear to the audience who's involved and what the concept is. It was just like, I've got a new album, it's coming out tomorrow. I adore Willie Nelson. I would not be a country music fan without Willie Nelson, but come on. I just don't know who's consuming Willie Nelson's music for the new album. I thought he was like, with respect... One of those guys where you listen to the classics as opposed to like what he's putting out tomorrow. I think this is the category that got me most heated because I'm like best country album. I've listened to some damn good albums in the last year. I mean, where's Cody Johnson's, right? Human, the double album. Yeah. Where's Morgan Wade's Reckless? Sorry, sorry, but Marin Morris Humble Quest. <laughs> it's not even the best Marin Morris album. No, it's definitely not. Where's Charles Wesley Godwin's How the Mighty Fall? Where's Emily Scott Robinson's American Siren? All within the eligibility year. Where's Derek Ryan's cuddling your cousin? <laughs> Nowhere to be seen. <laughs> Grammy snubbed again, Derek. I know, I two weeks in a row. We're doing a lot for Irish country here, Stuart. I uh, should also say Molly Tuttle, a nominee for Best New Artist, uh, and her album Crooked Tree up for uh, Best Bluegrass Album. Molly Tuttle, about the closest thing to country there in that Best New Artist category. Um, someday it'll all make sense. The Bluegrass version for Bill Anderson and Dolly Parton also nominated in the Best American Roots Performance category. I was actually reading up on uh, Bill Anderson recently in the context of Whiskey Lullaby. I was playing Whiskey Lullaby on the radio um, because he was one of his writers. John Randall, actually the other one who I mentioned earlier, didn't I, in the context of um, Miranda Lambert's The Marfa Tapes. Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty sure it was also a Bill Anderson exhibit that I spent about 15 to 20 minutes on, like right at the start of the Country Music Hall of Fame tour. You get the elevator up, you go around, I think if you go out to the right, I think that's all a Bill Anderson kind of exhibit, if I do remember correctly. Interesting reading up on him. And also Taylor Swift's All Too Well, 10-minute version, the short film, up for Song of the Year, all genre. Taylor Swift, back. Getting recognized for country, huh? How about that? Well, you mentioned Taylor. I mean, I had a different experience at the Country Music Hall of Fame of Museum. I went up on the left and spent about 45 minutes in her education center coloring in a picture of a dog. But um, and it was a mighty good picture. So just to round up this Grammy chat then, Shirley, what are our conclusive thoughts 
maybe we're a little close to it. Maybe we we know too much about the rank and the status of the artists and some of the other side politics going on. Maybe this is amongst too many people expressing their opinion with a vote, but maybe within that, there's a lot of people who don't know who Ashley McBride is, who don't know who possibly Luke Combs is, though I find that hard to believe, and they're judging everything based upon the quality of a song. And who's to say that Willie Nelson isn't worthy of another Grammy? To conclude, I would put it this way. You could make more of who's not nominated than who is. Right, okay. Yeah, that's a fair point. A lot of talent there. A lot of talent there missing. But again, we do not know which artist, which record label has put what songs, what artists forward. So maybe this is the best of what was submitted. You do not know. After the Grammys, after a nice chat, a nice sort of digestible chat about the Grammys, to a nice digestible interview with Dylan Scott Stewart. You've been speaking with him. Yeah, I've spoken to Dylan a few times over the years. What I'm noticing from listening to his music and also from talking to him as a person is his growth, his maturity, his his clearer sense of identity, which we touch on in the chat. I mean, I think there was a time when very much, you know, Dylan Scott, Dustin Lynch, Sam Hunt, Thomas Rhett, Chris Lane, they all kind of blurred into one and say what you want about the man, but he's a grafter, you know, he works very hard. So yeah, this is me in conversation with Dylan Scott. So Dylan, off the back of your third number one, New Truck, the latest single is Can't Have Mine. Uh, You've co-written this song with Matt Alderman, Josh Melton and Dallas Wilson. Tell me a bit about how this song came together. I believe it's already been quite big on TikTok. Yeah, man, this song so far, honestly, is on track to be like my biggest song yet. You know, I I had this idea. I wrote it in my phone. It was basically, hey, you got to find you a girl. You just can't have mine. And I had it in there for a while. And uh, it's actually a funny story, man. So Josh Melton, Dallas Wilson, and Matt Alderman were writing on this particular day. And I called Matt. I said, hey, dude, are you writing today? He said, yeah, I'm writing with Dallas and Josh. I was like, dang, you think they care if I crash the ride? I was like, no, come on. So I crashed the ride. I just showed up and uh, brought that idea and we wrote it, man. So it was one of those God things that was meant to be. I'm glad it happened. Wow. I mean, both New Truck and Can't Have Mine feature on your latest album, Living My Best Life, which is out now. What really struck me listening to this, particularly the first time, is how mature sounding it is, how confident you come across as a vocalist, and how I think in such a crowded male country market how your identity really really comes across and stands out are these things that i'm just picking up on or are these things that you consciously tried to get across honestly dude i just try to stay true to who i am and you know can't have minds i love songs about my wife i've been with my wife since i was 15 years old you know i've I've got songs my girl nobody uh those are both love songs that were big for me as well but can't have mine yeah it's a little more like you said i think there is a little more maturity to it and i think that just comes from the fact that you know man i'm, I'm getting older i've got kids uh, i know more now than i know two years ago so it's just part of the whole equation man and what's going on in my life but i think it all boils down to just me being true to who i am i noticed that you co-wrote eight of the 16 songs but there's also writing credits on there for people like um, Hardy and Morgan Wallen, Ernest, Mitchell Tenpenny, Thomas Rhett and Brian and uh, Tyler from FGL. When it comes to, um, you know, picking a song that you haven't written, what is it that tends to appeal to you? Or is there an element of when you get sent a song and you look at 
you know, who was involved in writing it. If you see like a Thomas Rhett or a, a Hardy, does that instantly say these guys know what they're doing, you know? Yeah, it can. And that's why I like to not know who writes the song. When I get sent a song, I like to listen to the song first. Don't tell me who wrote it. It doesn't always happen that way. But, you know, big names like that, big songwriters, big artists, it will influence your mind a little bit going, okay, this has got to be good. But uh, I try to my best to look past that or just not know who the writers are. But, yeah, man, we lucked up and got some great songs on this album, Live My Best Life, and from some great guys like you just mentioned. And uh, I was very fortunate to get that. There's a great collaboration on there with Jimmy Allen in Our Blood. Did you always see that as a collaboration and how did the duet happen? Yeah, so Jimmy and I have known each other for years and, you know, always talk about working with each other, doing this and doing that. But I knew when I heard that song, it was such a special song, what the song says and the meaning behind it. And uh, I sent it to Jimmy immediately. Uh, That's back when he was doing Dancing with the Stars over here. And I knew he was super busy. I don't know if he'd get back to me real quick, but man, he hit me back like immediately. He's talking about how he loved the song and I was like, man, I'd love for you to be on it. And he said, I'm there. Absolutely. So it was cool. It was cool to have your buddies come hop on songs with you. And uh, like I said, Jimmy and I have been buddies for a long time. And so just love the fact that he jumped on this song and and we could do it together. Mm -hmm. You kicked off a headlining tour in the States towards the end of September. I can see there you look like you're sitting on a tour bus right now. How have you found that the new album has transferred to the stage? You know, before this album, it had been almost four years since I released the album prior. And so I was touring on old music. And so now we've got new music out here. And there are a ton of new fans coming to our shows. It's not just people from last year. Like, these are people that's never seen us before. And uh, I think that's due to the new music, man. I mean, it just it reaches more people, uh, the awareness. And um, I think that's the importance of continuing to put out music, not waiting too long because there's so many people out there in my case that still have no idea who I am. Like we're a new artist still. So I have to grow that. And so uh, it's been cool seeing that. It's been cool seeing the fans grow off of the new music coming out. Following on from that, I mean, you played CMA Fest in Nashville back in June and the amount of people from all over the world that that event brings into town, when you're meeting the fans, it must really surprise you when you write and record in Nashville, just how, I mean, obviously you're talking to me today in Northern Ireland, but just how far reaching your music has become. Yeah, it is, man. Because I mean, I'm just a, uh, I'm just a regular guy from a little small town and uh, to be able to travel this country, no matter where I go. There's somebody that now listens to my music. I don't let that go to my head, but it is cool to know that. And I love to walk up to me and go, hey, man, I listen to this song or that song. It's like, hey, that's what, that's what we do it for. You know, that's why we write. That's why we record. That's why we go play shows for, you know, people to take something from our music. So it's uh, it's pretty neat. Do your kids have any concept of what, who dad is or what he does? Yeah, they do. I mean, they don't understand the big spectrum of it, but they know, like, literally my son was like, you're Dylan Scott. You know, you sing country music. Like, you know, he gets it. Like, he gets what's going on. It's cool to have kids who, that's just, dad plays music and they listen to my music. And I mean, that's a whole other story right there. The last time we spoke, you talked a bit about uh, last year touring with Luke Bryan. And I remember this stayed with me. You said that the thing that really stood out to you was his level of professionalism, as in if he was having a bad day or maybe he was feeling sick, he would still go on stage and give it 110%. When you're on a, a big, big tour of that scale with an artist of his stature, do you get much time to hang out with him? I mean, is there any advice that he gave you? 
Yeah, we actually got a lot of time to hang out. And, man, he's just such a great guy. He's just down to earth, you know. And that's cool because he's, he's the biggest in the format. You know, he's still at the top. And uh, to be that way is pretty awesome. But, yeah, man, you know what he told me? He just said, hey, you can sing. You got the stage presence. Just go out there and have fun. Like, that's all you got to do. And, I mean, I was like, yeah, I think you're right. Let's just go have fun. So that's what we've been doing, man. We've just been having fun, not thinking about it too much because I'll get inside my head. Like, I'll get inside my own head and go, man, did the crowd like us tonight? It's like you'll wear yourself out doing that. So you just got to go out there and have fun and everything else falls in place. I know you're going to be performing at Luke's Crash My Playa event in uh, Mexico come January, but I watched in August of this year your album live stream from Luke's Bar, and your performance fascinates me because you come out with this swagger. There's almost like a chip on your shoulder that you're going to win over everybody in that room if they're not already a fan. You almost pace around like a UFC fighter. Um, (laughs) How would you say, you know, do you ever analyze this? Like, how would you say your performing has evolved over the years? Yeah, I don't really know, man. I think a few years ago, I was uh, I was a lot more shy than I am now. I think that comes with success, though. The more success you have, the more confident you get in who you are and your music. But, you know, I feel like I've always tried to, as a performer, like you said, from the very beginning, I've always tried to, once I get on that stage, win them over, you know. And my biggest thing is when I get on stage, it's real easy for people to perspective to go oh he's just some cocky guy or oh he's up there thinking he's he's a big shot and that's the first thing I feel like people think and so my first thing to do is not only be confident on stage and be the professional performer I am but talk them off that you know say hey you know let them know that I'm not like I'm just a regular guy and so whatever I can do throughout the night to just have fun and, and show people like I'm just here to have fun and show you I'm a regular guy. That's what I try to do. And I think people leave there going, even if they weren't a fan or maybe thought something different, they have to leave my show going at least. I think he's a good guy. We've talked before about your father playing guitar for Freddie Fender. We've talked about you previously recording an EP of Keith Whitley covers. Something that really came to me as I was listening to your latest album, as somebody who has that love and respect for that old school traditional country sound, when you first moved to Nashville, and I think it would have been probably at quite a heavy bro country time, when you realized that the country you love wasn't what record labels and radio wanted or were reacting to, how did you adapt to that without losing any passion for your end goal? I just realized that there's, you know, things are changing and that's just part of it. Everything changes. I mean, everything in this world changes constantly. And so, you know, some people can't let that go. Some people can't let go of the fact that they grew up on old school country and, but yet they got to go out and do what's current right now. And, and, and I realized that it's like, I, I love old school country music. Um, there's a place for it. There's still a place for it right now, but I saw where everything was going and what it was doing. And, if I wanted to have a career in country music and I love it. So it was easy, but if I wanted to have a career in country music, I had to evolve from that, you know? And so that's what we did. And like I said, man, I, I love all music. So it's really easy. I love old school country, the stuff that my dad, you know, brought me up on the Keith Willie. I love it, but also love what's happening now. So it's, it's easy. 
Following on from that, is there an artist or artists out there in any genre of music that you would love to work with and maybe even surprise people? Yeah, you know what? I mean, I'd love to work with a ton of artists, but to surprise people, I don't even know if this would be a surprise at this point. I feel like every artist wants to work with this artist, uh, and that's Post Malone, man. Ooh. Just seems like a great guy. Uh, I love his music. Uh, he loves country as well. I feel like there's a lot of artists with the same answer, but the guy just, I don't know, there's something about him that is intriguing. It's surprising how many modern country stars will mention, like a Post Malone or just rap and R&B stars. Do you think that's just a natural sign of the times and reflective in their own sound? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just something different. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love the country collabs, but you know, when I think about a collab, it's like you think about a big scale. You're like, man, what can we do different? What can we do that was really fun? And uh, I think there's something to the, the R&B, the pop. That's a cool element to a collab. You've just celebrated your 32nd birthday. And I wonder, you probably had the time during the pandemic to take stock of, you know, what you've achieved. But do you ever like go down to somewhere like Broadway and have a beer and watch people singing their heart out for tips and think I'm living that person's dream and realize, God, I've done it. I'm doing it. Yeah. You know, I don't really go down to Broadway much. Uh, I was down there though a few weeks ago and that did cross my mind, man. I mean, there, and I think about it cause I have been to Broadway in the years past uh, when I was younger, uh, not having kids and stuff and I could go do what I wanted to do, but uh, it does cross my mind, man. You know, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of guys and girls, in Nashville chasing just to get at my level where I'm at, you know, and I feel like we're just now hitting the surface. So that's things I look at sometimes when I'm sitting here, I'm frustrated about this or frustrated about that or trying to get to the next level. It's like, man, there's so many people that would just love to be where I'm at sitting on a bus in a town about to play music tonight. So um, yeah, man, very grateful to be where I'm at. And I think I ask you this every time, but forgive me for asking again, any even plans, initial plans of coming over and playing a few shows over here? There has been talks. I will tell you that there Ooh. have been talks. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I really want to, man. It seems like our fan base is growing over there, which is what we want. And uh, I would love to. So fingers crossed. We'll see what happens. Cheers, Dylan. Thanks for your time, man. And uh, good luck with the rest of the tour. All right. Thank you, Stu. Appreciate you. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Dylan Scott. Check out the Free Rambling Man podcast. Great interview with uh, Dylan Scott, Sturdy. Um, the fact that he and his wife have been together since they were like 15 struck me because I don't think you'd think that if you were to just kind of take the stereotype or, you know, the guy or the artist that you'd interpret that he is. Also, he seems to be a real family man, too. Yeah. If you follow him on socials, his children are hilarious, particularly his little boy. Great family man. Great sense of humor. And um, there's something lovely, I think, in the fact that, you know, that he and his wife have been together all these years and she will have been with him through, you know, the ups and downs. And today, yes, he's a big country star, but obviously all those years ago, he was just a guy pursuing something, a very difficult thing to make happen. And she stood by him. He said about wanting to be a good guy and not shining through after a performance or whatever. I really appreciated that because... I don't know, maybe it's just like an epiphany of sorts of recently in life. You know, I appreciate people who kind of lead with their heart and there's no real bad in them. Do you know what I mean? Or at least you yeah. see the good in them anyway, quite clearly. Um, also quite cool to hear about his dad playing guitar for Freddie Fender. And I know you sort of mentioned that in passing because 
you'd actually mentioned it to him previously, obviously, in, in an interview that I clearly hadn't listened to. So apologies, Stuart. Um, but I do love myself some Freddie Fender, like before the next teardrops falls. The original context of that was um, with your father playing guitar for artists like Freddie Fender and being very aware of how difficult it is to make it. Did he ever try to, you know, steer you in another direction? And he talked about how his dad was like, this is the reality. It may not happen. This is how tough it's going to be. If you really want it, go for it. But it's not going to come overnight. And I think... Do you remember off the back of his massive hit, My Girl, there was a long period of time when he was putting music out and there was no momentum. And now he's just having number one after number one and he's on the big tours. And uh, it's great to see. I do like that all these guys as well, even though the kind of classic bro country types as well, but still seem to have a lot of respect for the past and kind of the greatest in the game, you know, the greatest in the genre. Yeah, it's almost like they did it because it was a trend that was working. But if you scratch the surface, it's maybe not. It wouldn't have maybe been necessarily, and I can't speak on their behalf. I'm only going by the odd quote you get from them. It wouldn't have been in an ideal world, maybe the ideal sound that they wanted to represent themselves as an artist. But it's what was very well working at the time. And uh, now the bro country things died off. You're seeing a different side to them. You know, the poster boys for Bro Country were Florida Georgia Line. And it was almost like when the Bro Country thing died out, so did their momentum. We can all have a go as well at Bro Country, like, but see, FGL gets so much stick for it. And actually, I like a lot of FGL songs. So, and I also think that they're very much responsible for an international rise in support and fandom of country music because even my tastes have changed from back in the early days whenever I liked. You know, I mean, I really like Charlie Warson back in the early days, but, you know, Thomas Retz, Russell Dickerson's to now where I like Zach Bryan and I'm listening to Tyler Childers. So tastes can change, but there should be an appreciation for artists that made you like country in the first place, even if they're the ones that you don't listen to as much anymore. Like Florida Georgia Line didn't create that genre or that offset of a genre. It was people wanting to imitate their success. They were just the best at doing it. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's just about it for episode five of Free Rambler Men, a country music podcast. Um, it means the world, your reaction and interaction so far. Um, we just delete the, the bad comments anyway. So no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. They don't exist because this is so damn good. Um, <laughs> Stuart, you've been enjoying it anyway. If you'd like to get in touch with us, uh, you can email us on freeramblingmen at gmail.com. And if you want to give us a follow or some support, we are at freeramblingmen on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Stuart can also be found in those platforms, Stuart underscore Banford on Instagram and at Stuart Banford on Twitter. I am at the John Care on any and just about everything you can imagine except only fans just to one-up Stuart's clothes from last week those checks don't bounce <laughs> but until next time keep rambling, rambling free, free. I could be wrong maybe the number has increased or decreased but the last st- but the last st- I can't say that <laughs> we'll find our right take